Sunday dawning. Like my heart, I wish it wasn't breaking. To Joseph's deathly dark tomb, I hid. No place for the aromas I'm taking. The beauty of perfume arising as the best of all our dreams is falling. In the olive tree, I swear, and a blackbird singing. I heard the hiss of the devil calling. The garden was as empty as my soul. So to the tomb where I thought he lay, I shouted at soldiers already shaken who stolen my Lord's body away. So welcome to our Easter Sunday service. We continue the story. It was Friday, if you were with us in our Good Friday service. And we did say at the end of that, that Sunday was coming and Sunday's here. And as we do in Fitzroy every year, we have one of our women declaring the resurrection. Well, Emma's not actually one of our particular congregation, but we're delighted that she sang that song written this week um, to declare that Jesus 
uh, is alive. And that's what we're going to celebrate this morning. We're going to celebrate even though we can't go to the coast, even though we can't get ourselves an ice cream, wherever it is we go to get an ice cream, because uh, it's Friday all around us. We're in coronavirus Friday. But we believe this morning that because in Christ's resurrection, that Sunday is coming. Just a couple of quick announcements before we have our opening hymn. Um, there is no offering plate, obviously. So if you want to give, go on the Fitzroy website and there are ways there that you can do that. Um, and also uh, this week we will be doing things a little bit differently. Janice and I are trying to take Monday and Tuesday off. We're going to go away for a trip. We're going to go to the next room because that's as far as we can get. Or we might even go to the garden if they're promising the weather that we're getting. But we're trying to take Monday and Tuesday off. We're going down to two Facebook Lives a week, because I think you've had far too much of me. So Wednesday, we will do our thought for the week. And then on Friday, we will give the announcements for next weekend. That's live on Facebook. There's no prayer meeting on Tuesday night. We'll start that uh, the week after, and just stay on the website to tell you all the other things that might be happening or all the wee gems. Gary Burnett's on tonight at seven with uh, Paul looking at resurrection in 10 minutes. And that is really wonderful and fits perfectly in with the sermon you will hear later on. So let's celebrate. Let's uh, get out of our uh, Saturday where God was dead for 24 hours. Let's get out of our Friday where Jesus was on a tree. Let's try in the worship this morning to find uh, that moment when Mary realized that the gardener wasn't the gardener, that it was Jesus raised to life. Oh, what a morning.
it is preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to learn that Jesus was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if it was true that Jesus was dead already. On hearing from the centurion that it was true, he gave the body to Joseph. Joseph went out, bought some linen cloth, took down the body of Jesus, wrapped it in the linen, and laid it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone against the entrance to the tomb and went his way. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph and Salome bought spices to go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And as they walked along, they asked each other, who will roll away the stone? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. On entering the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe and sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first of all to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She returned and told the others that she had seen the Lord but when they heard that he was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe her. Later he appeared to two of them in a different form while they were walking in the country. These returned and told the others, but they did not believe them either. Finally he appeared to the eleven while they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all people everywhere. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will pick up snakes with their bare hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had said these things, he was taken up into heaven. 
and sat down on the right hand of the Father. The disciples went out and preached the good news to all people everywhere. And the Lord worked with them, confirming his word by the signs which accompanied it. darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Take you dying Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit. 
glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of Kings, praise forever to the King of Kings. Dear God, thank you for nurses and daughters so you can ask us for the queen of thousands death. The thousands is, is not part of us, the school, the Daniels and daughters of nurses help each other to make more progress inside of us. Amen. Um. There is the prayer for um, all things we need. So, dear God, thank you to keep this people safe. No, Sophia's dad, Patrick, Sophia's brother, Louise, Sue's mom, Annie, Yama, Yuk, John Megator Guy, Peter, Anna. Holly and Owen, Morgan Jim, Amen. Our God, we pray to you in this Easter weekend. We think back to Friday and we thank you for the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. We thank you that you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you for the example of sacrifice, for the example of giving up self for the other. And we pray that we would learn from that model of Jesus, even in these COVID-19 times, that we would sacrifice our own whims and desires, our own frustrations not to be with one another for the good of others, for the good of our family members, for the good of our friends and community, for the good of the NHS who are under pressure when we spread this disease. But God, we thank you also for this morning, for Easter Sunday. We thank you for resurrection. We thank you for the new life that that brings. We thank you for the hope that that permeates through all of our lives. And we thank you for that incredible hope for eternity. We pray this particular Easter weekend for those going through different stages or in different places with the coronavirus we pray for the NHS. Lord, we pray for those in Fitzroy who are in hospitals today, who have been in hospitals for weeks, dealing with the chaos and the mayhem and the danger of coronavirus, while still touchingly caring for those who are struggling with the virus and sadly those who have passed away as a result. We pray you would give them stamina. We pray you would give them insight. We pray you would give them protection. We pray for all the others who are doing essential work at this time, to cleaners, to delivery men, to postmen and women, to all the people in food banks, to all the people who are out there putting their lives in the line so that society can have some semblance of possibility. And then we pray for our own families. 
We pray, Lord, as we're locked down together, that you would give us patience and grace with one another. And you would help us to love those members of our family at a distance, that somehow we can reach to them and make sure that we can connect. We pray for those who are in their homes alone and have been now for many weeks. We pray for a presence with them, even though people can't be present. And most of all, Lord, we pray that you would be a companion with them on this journey. We pray for those today who have the virus, whether it's uh, uh, not too serious in their homes or whether it's uh, in the ICUs of our hospitals. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing. We pray, Lord, that you would break this virus in their bodies. And we pray for those families who are grieving. We pray you would be with them. Maybe a week or 10 days ago, never imagining that their loved one would even be ill, never mind passing away. We pray, Lord, that you would be with them and that Jesus would again be proved right when he called the Holy Spirit a comforter. And Lord, we pray that today you would be in all of our lives in that resurrection way. That in the ways that we interact with people, whether that's in social media or Skype or Zoom or by telephone or however else we do it, that we as resurrection people would be those that would breathe hope into the lives and the homes and the communities around us. Lord, we thank you for Easter, but we thank you most of all that it's not something that happened somewhere back in history, but the implications of it can be real today in our souls and hearts and minds and lives. May that be so, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
started the entire service with this song that uh, we came up with during this past week. Um, I was a little frustrated with the worship songs that we have on Resurrection, and I just started to dabble with a few lines, and I thought, what would it be like if I gave a few lines to Johnny Fitch, and he did something with them? He's co-writing with uh, Emma Horn at the minute, and uh, they came up with this great piece. And the idea of it is to try and give us the mood of that first Sunday when Mary went out with her perfume and her spices uh, out to the garden tomb and she's grieving. She's mourning. We know what it's like when we lose a loved one and she's in the middle of that early grief. Of course, it's not the grief of just losing somebody she loved. It's losing the idea of Christianity, this idea that this Jesus was going to do something spectacular, that's gone as well. And I'm sure she trudged, uh, as as we say in the lyrics of the song, that, that as dawn was breaking, her heart was breaking. And as the garden was empty, her soul was empty and um, she was downcast. And so I wanted the first two verses to be that kind of a dirge of of lament and mourning. And then 
she turns and maybe it's the tears in her eyes. Maybe it's the early morning. She sees a figure and imagines it must be the gardener. And then when Jesus speaks in that moment, whoa, what about being there for that moment? What what about the only person in the world that experienced that moment was Mary? How would that be when you realized that Jesus was alive? And so the second half of the song brings us into this whole different mood and this whole different countenance of resurrection. I love that. And as I say, it started out because when we got together this week and looked at the hymns and worship songs about resurrection, yet you might find a line about resurrection in some of them, but most of them concentrate on Friday and very few are all about Sunday. And I think that's a theological problem. I think it's not only a theological problem for our minds and our thinking. I think it's a theological problem that permeates maybe our spiritual lives and our ideas about God and our ideas about the faith. And um, so we, we have found, as you will see this morning, we have found enough songs to get us through a celebration. But if you look at the songs, most of them are on Friday. Now, Friday is incredibly important. I'm not taking anything away from Friday. But what I'm saying is that when we take one dimension of God's story of salvation, when we take one dimension of the gospel of Jesus and we give that 99% of our thinking, 99% of our theology or our preaching, then there's 75% almost of the gospel lost. We don't spend enough time on incarnation. The birth of Jesus, we we hide it away to one week in the year. This is incredibly important. The reason that God became human, the resurrection. This is incredibly important, as I'll come to in a moment. But not only that, the ascension that's going to happen a few weeks down the road. That is crucial to this whole story. And we have over-obsessed ourselves with one moment of it. That doesn't mean we get rid of that moment of it. It means we find a new balance because the new testament is about resurrection as much as it is about the cross if you go into uh first corinthians 15 particularly now i'll tell you what paul talks a lot about resurrection and i'm going to leave that to gary for this evening seven o'clock listen to gary paul and ten on resurrection i'm going to leave it to gary to sweep through paul's teaching on resurrection but this morning i want to concentrate just in those few verses in first corinthians chapter 15 uh, from 12 through to 19 if you want to uh, if you want to look it up in verse 13 paul says if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even christ has been raised and if christ has not been raised our preaching is useless and so is your faith he goes on to say and if christ has not been raised your faith is futile you're still in your sins. Now, that's an interesting last comment, because what it's saying is that it's not just about the cross that we find our forgiveness, though the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world on the cross, and though God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. But there's something also about the resurrection part of the deal. And Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, And you're still in your sins. So resurrection needs to take far more of a part in our theology, it seems. So I started thinking about that and I started to think, well, well, what would what would the implications of this be in our lives? Because it's obvious that it's there. It's obvious that we have an imbalance. And I started to think 
what would the demeanor of somebody be if um if you spent all your time as an undertaker around graves how, how's your countenance are you cheery are you happy are you jokey are you positive are you joyful and then what is your uh, countenance if you're a midwife and you're there for people experiencing this first joy of life constantly and i'm kind of thinking that there's probably differences there it's where you spend your time your mood must be in what you concentrate your focus on and i think sometimes that that has happened within the church i used to um ask myself why is the first row of a traditional presbyterian choir looking so dull they look as if they're at a funeral i remember when i was younger and i was going around all these churches every sunday morning i would check the front row of the choir and no matter what they were singing they were glum did they spend too much time in good friday and not enough time with that merry moment of easter sunday and it's interesting because eugene peterson says the bible is not the script for a funeral service but it is the record of god always bringing life where we expected to find death everywhere is the story of resurrection and i feel our theology and our preaching and our teaching would be so much more grace orientated so much more life orientated so much less judgmental if we spent less time around the cross and good friday which is all about the law being dealt with in the death of jesus and we spent more time around the garden tomb where we see the joy and the bursting through of this whole new world there's too much bad news in our preaching a lot of the time and i wonder if the bad news is that we're concentrating in death rather than in life tim winton tells a story that i've shared many times before he's telling his three or four year old child all the jesus stories and they're telling them for quite a lengthy time and then he finds himself tim winton's from perth australia same place as the Hullerans, the Hullerans are from. And uh, I always think that's wonderful. But um, uh, So he's from Australia, but he, he was in Ireland uh, writing a book called The Riders. Wonderful book. You should get a, a check out any of Tim Winton's books, but I particularly like The Riders. And and he's, he, he said he was in a little cottage in Ireland and he was telling every night before bed, bedtime stories, he, he told the story of Jesus to his child. And his child had got Jesus almost like a Harry Potter figure, his hero uh, and all this stuff. And then he realized that his son was, he must have been a little bit older than three because he's gone off to school the next year. And he thought, what if he goes off to school and he finds out that Jesus had died and I haven't told him. So he starts to tell one night uh, his son the story of Jesus' death. And he can tell that his son, who's never heard the story before, is kind of thinking to himself, Oh my, surely, surely, surely the disciples will stand up for him. Surely he'll get out of this. This is, this will be a Disney movie and, and surely Pilate will not accuse him. And when Pilate brings him to the crowds, they'll shout, crucify Barabbas. But that doesn't happen. And the wee guy, Tim says his son got closer and closer into him and held him tighter and tighter as Tim told him that Jesus had died. And he says they were lying there weeping that his son was actually weeping in disbelief that Jesus had died. And then Tim remembered. It wasn't the end of the story. 
So he started to tell his son about Easter Sunday morning and before long they are jumping up and down on the bed and Tim's wife shouting, what's going on in there? What are you doing? And they were saying they were celebrating the resurrection. If we spend our time on Good Friday, we will be huddled in holding on to each other in grief. If we can concentrate more of our lives and be in resurrection people, then maybe we will be more celebratory, more joyful and more rejoicing. And of course, that comes into the song that Emma sang at the start. I was trying to bring a few of the things that um, uh, should impact our lives as we think about resurrection, as we spend time in the garden. And I just put four of those together, that resurrection is the conception of rebirth. The cross is putting to death the old life. And that's not enough. Oh, we need it put to death. And we thank God that Jesus put it to death. But if Jesus just puts it to death, then it's dead. Resurrection brings the new life, the rebirth, the new possibilities are bursting through in resurrection. It launches a whole new earth. The old order of things have passed away. We've defeated the devil and death and evil and sin on Friday, but on Sunday, Jesus burst through the tomb with a new energy for the kingdom of God to begin to reign and for the church to begin. It's the launching of a whole new earth. It's a light breaking through the dark because that's what Mary expected. She she expected it to be dark and cold and an empty tomb. And instead of that, she gets Jesus at the garden in the dawning of the day, light is bursting through the dark. Wherever there's dark in the world, resurrection can shine a light. There's a crack in everything. It's how the light gets in, Leonard Cohen puts it. Jesus is the light that in resurrection breaks through. And in the bursting of hope and the bursting of possibility and potential into our very souls resurrection. That changes our countenance. That changes the smile on our face. That should change the faces of all the front rows of every choir in the world today because we are not Friday people. We are Sunday people and Jesus is alive and is raised to life. And of course I say this all on maybe one of the bleakest Easter weekends that any of us have had in our lifetimes. You look for the weather on Easter Sunday and you think, what's Monday and Tuesday going to be like? And I look down at my phone and there's a big yellow sun on Monday and Tuesday. And I don't think in the last 10 years there has been a big yellow sun on Monday and Tuesday. If we were at the coast tomorrow where we would love to be in Bally Castle, there would be cars trailed around towards uh, probably out to Ballyvoy, trying to get into Bally Castle so that they can get an ice cream. We personally hate it. We stay in the house, we walk the dog, and we make sure we don't have to go out because all these people have taken over our town. But the North Coast is thriving with ice cream buyers if it's a sunny Easter Monday. And we're locked down. Even Barnett's Park is closed for us to walk the dog. We're in the same room we've been in for three weeks. We're having to look at the counter and see what food's left, even though the stockmans have spiced beef in for a special Sunday lunch. It's still pretty bleak. People can't go and be with their families. You can't invite the neighbours round for a barbecue. You've got to keep your social distance. You can't even hug people. Is this a bleak Easter or what? And that's because 
No, I'm talking about us being Sunday people. We live a lot of the time on Friday. Johnny sang on Friday night, and if you wait to the end of the service, it's a post-benediction song again. Johnny Fitch sang that Martin Joseph song, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. War makers of their heyday on Friday. Peaceful voices crying mayday on Friday. Fear is everywhere. Hope is dying. Bombs are ready while the planes are flying. But Sunday's coming. Oh, we live in a Friday world. If we look around us, we will see all the injustices. If we look around us, we will see all the kind of evil that's going on in our world. If we look around us, we'll see COVID-19 taking our loved ones. It's Friday. But here's the thing. We are Sunday people and we believe in resurrection and we believe in resurrection in this life in some way, but we believe in resurrection in the next life. And that changes how we perceive the things going on around us. Resurrection. It should make the choir smile. Resurrection conceives a whole new birth. Resurrection launches a whole new earth. Resurrection shines light into the depths of our souls. Resurrection. Resurrection. Jesus is alive. Let us be Sunday people. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply.
again this morning. There is no welcome area. There is no uh, prayer area. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this morning's service. We hope you're living as a Sunday person in the midst of all that's going on. Let me share a benediction that I was writing this week and then uh, found myself in a Facebook conversation with a friend who's in isolation with COVID-19. And so I kind of send it out to her and to all of us. So we're calling it Lorraine's Easter benediction. May God the Father never forsake you. May Jesus be with you into all your suffering. And may the Holy Spirit burst resurrection into your heart and soul. Amen. Sunday's coming, hey.
Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sun is coming up. 